Hello, this is Soundtracking, episode two. We play soundtracks and we talk about them. My name is Margie Bangs and I have two guests, uh, Stephen Tanner and Jeff Hansen. Hansel. 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 And I have to read this disclaimer. Uh, The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of BMC or the town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Okay, um, why don't you guys introduce yourselves, say hello. Hello, uh, this is Steve Tanner. And, and I'm Jeff Hansel. Hansel. And we're on radio, Steve. Yeah, well. Sound, well, it's not radio, it's soundtracking. Soundtracking. It's close to it. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Sure. Um, I'm going to start with Planet of the Apes, and I'm going to play track two, which is... And this is the, the composer title, is Jerry Goldsmith. Jerry Goldsmith. That's who. Is that who we're talking about today? Yes, okay. we're talking about the music of Jerry Goldsmith. Great Jerry Goldsmith. Okay. Be anxious to hear that. Now this is an album and a Don't soundtrack. Talk Okay, that was the main theme from Planet of the Apes. Two minutes and 13 seconds. 
and it was by Jerry Goldsmith, who did lots of the soundtracks in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and I think the 80s, too. So what did you think? Um, I loved it. You loved it? Yeah, it's one of my favorite soundtracks. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like the movie. Yeah. Um, and the series. But um, part of why I really like the movie was the soundtrack. Yeah. It has such classic elements in it, but it also is just out there. Yeah, they use interesting avant-garde music. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of percussion, some horns. Yeah, and it's a really interesting mixture of avant-garde, avant-garde music and, I don't know, I guess you'd call it modern music or regular music, and um, primitive-sounding music. Yes, primitive to represent the apes, I suppose. Yes, but it also, yes, although, no, actually, I'll just stop and go with that. Or the people, too. They're primitive. They're all primitive. Yeah. I, I like the way that the there's a lot of dead spots in the music, and he's obviously scoring it to the action, or some of it to the action. Yeah. And um, it's, uh, you know, it's scary, and it's yeah. not scary or it's tense, and it's just so... Um, Inventive, I don't know, also, mm-hmm. you know, the way that he's using, as you said, Steve, uh, different kinds of instruments, different sounds, um, very unusual. I mean, you'd think it was a mystery uh, or something or a detective um, picture in a way. And then this, you hear this different kinds of instruments and you go, wait, this is not what I think it is. Yeah. But there's a mystery at the heart of the movie and... Since it was uh, filmed in 1969, I think I'm safe. 68. In giving, 68. Yeah. I stand corrected. I think it's I'm safe in giving away or perhaps giving away the ending of the movie. But there I is. I think you can give it away. Yeah, yeah I don't <laughs> mind. <laughs> there, there, there is an essential <laughs> mystery surrounding the whole movie. Right. You have astronauts in a very futuristic craft who fly for countless light years to some of destination and then as the movie opens we join them in their spacecraft on the journey home mm-hmm. and and something goes terribly wrong and they land on this primitive planet yeah and long story short they've returned to earth um, sometime in the future perhaps hundreds perhaps hundreds probably thousands of years in the future yeah and the, we, the audience, and uh, our protagonist, Charles Heston, don't figure this out until literally the last frames of the movie almost. It's the very last scene where he's on a beach and mm-hmm. he comes yes. across yeah. the ruined, wrecked, rusted-out hulk of the Statue of Liberty buried in the sand yeah. at the shore, uh, at least um, chest deep. And it's mm-hmm. just such a startling and powerful image. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the music uh, sort of leads you to that, you know, without yeah. really, something's happening, you don't exactly know where it's going, but he's sort of cueing you emotionally that there's something you're trying to find out, but you're not even aware that that's what you're trying to find out. 
Right. Um, I read that the first time this movie was made was made for The Twilight Zone by Rod Serling. Oh. And then they redid it. I wonder what episode it. that would have I been. I don't know. I don't remember. I mean, there was an episode where... They changed it a lot for the movie. Yeah, okay. All right. I was thinking the one where they... Uh, yeah, well, it's, it would be speculating now at this point. But yeah, that's cool. And so some of the sarcastic dialogue comes from Rod Serling. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, the version I heard was that the movie was obviously adapted from the book by the French author whose name... Pierre Boulle. Yes. Um, and they had trouble adapting it, and they went through several different writers, and then... Rod Serling was called in um, to fix it up. Oh. I, and I believe he was the last writer, perhaps. <coughs> because, as you say, it does have his fingerprints all over it. It's intelligent. It's mm -hmm. suspenseful. And yep. it's got some witticisms in there. Um, our hero is wonderfully sarcastic. Yeah. It says it was rewritten by Paul Den, who worked on many of the Ape sequels, along mm. with Rod Serling. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and um, right, uh, I was going to say that the uh, trivia thing about the film is Michael Wilson wrote the screenplay, who ended up writing uh, Dances with Wolves much later, I believe. Oh, wow. really? So I think so. I think that's the same, same writer. But um, Another movie and another soundtrack yeah. I love. Oh, no, the, really? The music, yeah. I mean, it's just Jerry Goldsmith is just, I mean, that's what we're talking about today. He's just, uh, he's, um, it's not at all cliched. Mm -hmm. It's, and it's so behind, I call it, it's like in the subtext of everything. So he's he's like the musical equivalent of a really good director who's who's telling you a story through the music and and it, you're not really, you'd have no idea if you haven't seen the film of what's going to happen. Right. You know, there's no exposition. You don't have to you know, explain anything. Mm -hmm. You're just in the story and in the music the whole time. Yeah. Why did, now I'm just curious, why, uh, what do you like about The Planet of the Apes or the Jerry Goldsmith? Um, I you? just love the soundtrack and the beginning of the film with the echoing. I think they use an echoplex. Oh. I don't know what that is. but Okay. That's what it's described as, and the um, desert. Okay. I believe there's desert, mm -hmm. and the people, the man is marching through the desert trying ah. to find people. Okay. And it's just sort of striking. Yeah. What are we going to listen to next? Um, one more Planet of the Apes, and okay. then I'll play another Jerry Goldsmith different uh, soundtrack. Okay.
Okay, we're back. Um, we're back from the Planet of the Apes. Yes, we've landed. Okay. That was called Crash Landing. <clears throat> yeah, it, it almost sounds like a uh, Twilight Zone episode. <clears throat> oh, yeah. It, yeah, has that same feel. What do you think, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> Eerie. Eerie, yeah. I mean, I don't know about Twilight the outer Zone limits. The outer limits. The old, the other show in that time period. That actually, yeah, that resonates more strongly for yeah. me. But uh, yeah, I was just reading that um, it was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Score. So, oh, really? Yeah. So uh, and it was what won it that was year? very. Uh, huh? Pardon me. Do you know what? I, I don't know what won that year, but it was this was nominated. So yeah. it was seen as pretty. Um, Unusual for its time. Yeah, it was ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's strong. It's even after all this time, it still resonates. It's it still, still has substance. Yeah, it's still interesting. And and you know, thinking about Jerry Goldsmith, he wrote a lot of TV themes too. Right. That are icon. That are just cool. They're they're pleasant. They're mu- you know a lot of th- um, mel- a lot of melody and you know, it's and it's funny. Then he can write this too. You mm-hmm. know, it's almost like a symphonic. Tone poem or something. Yep. Exactly. Well, now we're going to move on to Patton. I'm going to play track four, which is called The First Battle. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is Patton by Jerry Goldsmith.
Okay, that was the film Patton's soundtrack by Jerry Goldsmith. And it was The First Battle. Hmm. Three minutes and three seconds. So what were you saying about comparing this to Planet of the Apes and, and Chinatown? Yeah. Well, Planet of the Apes is the soundtrack and the movie that I'm really familiar with. So it's natural for me to compare it, to see through that lens. And I hear echoes um, of Planet of the Apes in this, oh. in the track we just heard. Right. Um, there's a section where, okay, well, you're hearing the echo, not my echo, the echo of the opening theme with the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It's softer, it's slower, but it's very much there. Yes. And I would say the 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 music underneath that is pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Okay. But sort of in counterpoint you're hearing these little noises. He used yeah. cowbells. Yeah. Some of oh, the really? time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They're 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 hmm. they fit in melodically. They're not atonal, but they're sort of little odd bits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that takes me back to um the main theme for Planet of the Apes where you have this futuristic um, music, but it has a lot of primitive-sounding music embedded in it. And yeah. part of that is the way... Um, mm. I don't know how they really to describe it. Mm. But it's the way it's phrased, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doom, 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 doom. Mm. Interesting. Well, again, it's, I think it's descriptive of the action. You know, he's thinking about what you're seeing on... he's. I think he's thinking about what you're seeing on screen and how to yeah. echo that or how to suggest that oh, in, in the music. So you're he- you're hearing something. I mean, I would say Planet of the Apes sounds more organic, whereas this sounds more machine-like. It's it's kind of you yeah. hear the little clicks and clanks and things like that. Um, yeah. But um, which would be which would make sense. What do you like about it? Well, I'll read what it says here. It says, Patton takes a ritualistic approach to his preparations, the first battle. Hmm. The scoring starts with flutes playing the triple figure before Goldsmith interpolates string dissonance, Hmm. percussive effects, including cowbells, Hmm. and the chorale. Patton defeats Rommel's forces, but one of the casualties is Patton's aides. Is Hmm. Patton's aide. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, didn't realize that. And the music, the the music from Patton that we just heard, sound strikes me as uh, very contemplative. Yes. Hmm. He believed in reincarnation, and I think the eeriness of it uh, is supposed okay. to evoke that kind of yeah. spiritual feeling. Hmm. Yeah. Um, who did he think he was the reincarnation of? He thought he was a reincarnation of a, an ancient f- warrior. In Africa, <laughs> he was that's in Africa. Surprising. <laughs> that's surprising. That's funny. Yeah. It uh, wasn't wow. Alexander the Great. I don't remember. <laughs> wow. But I'm unsure. In the movie, he talks about, "Oh, I was here before, and I fought this battle." And hmm. that's ringing a muffled bell. Yeah, a cowbell. Hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> More cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what maybe that's where the phrase came up from. More cowbell. Yeah. So, yeah. do you want me to play another track from Patton? I don't really know the album, so 
It's very short. It's one minute fifty two seconds. Go okay, for it. that's the beginning, the opening, or it's it's the funeral. The funeral. Okay, Patton's funeral, I assume. So that was the funeral from Patton, and it was about the funeral of the aide that I mentioned earlier. Hmm. Yeah, it sounded both okay. It sounded both sad and serious, and also martial. Hmm. So I guess that's three things. Hmm. But they all organically fit together. Yeah, and I mean it's it's helpful to know, I guess, when you're watching the film. What the relationship of the of his aide to what kind of relationship he had and how important that was to him because this evokes that sort of deep relationship that he might have had. Yeah, and it has <clears throat> a funeral bell town sound. To yeah. It. yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> and it sounds a bit like a dirge. Right. <clears throat> so next up, I have the soundtrack Chinatown. Oh, one okay, question. That- um, Patton, when was that filmed? Was that made? Six, 1969 or I think what's great about it is it's a the whole film is is a piece you know it's a whole it's a complete artistic work I think um, yeah. uh, but th- the acting like the writing like the music is really people in the 1970s essentially looking back to the 1930s 30s, yeah and they're adding 
to that, it's very realistic, but they're adding to that what you didn't see in the 1930s films in, or the 40s oh. films. In, in, so the way that Jack Nicholson acts is it almost exactly like Bogart, but it has an edge to it that you right. don't see. The music is the same thing. It's more... A self-consciousness, a self-awareness. I wouldn't call it self-awareness, just a little more hyper-realistic in some way, you know. Um, to Bogey says same same things that you know that that get Nicholson us. says. Get us, get us, yeah. Yes, Mr. So Gates. get us and uh, Sam Spade or um, what's the what's the detective in the Phil, uh, Raymond Chandler novel novel? The big uh, Philip Marlowe. Philip Marlowe, yeah. But the music is just so well fit in. It, it it's just evocative of the 1930s. But it's got this whole – the story is in the music in this film, I think. It's all yeah. right there in the music all the way through. If you don't know what it's about, you know some, this is not going to end well. You just right. know from the start, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but without, without it being, to me, without it being obvious to you, even the yeah. viewer. So. Yeah. And before we go, the thing that strikes me about it is that the music – has a lushness, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. uh, uh, more vivid than life right. um, quality to it that actually pairs very well with the photography, mm -hmm. which is again very saturated. That's mm -hmm. what I mean. The whole film is just yeah. it, it ties together. Everything is, it's you you can't pull that film apart, and right. it just looks like it was just it landed or somehow <laughs> it was landed just, fully made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think um, about the score itself? Um, why don't we listen to it? Okay. Good idea.
Wow. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, I was asking you, Margie, what do you think of, uh, what do you like about Chinatown? Um, I, I, I love the story and the complexity and the twists and turns. And the music just backs it up. It's eerie, disturbing, but then it's got a love story in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the music that mirrors the love story is very sentimental and lush yeah. and compelling. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the film, the rest of the music of the film is subverting that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. It's a, it's a good way to put it, yeah. 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 Hmm. yeah. I mean, it's uh, they call it a neo-noir, but I don't know. It's a film noir. It's just that it reminds me more of um, Out of the Past. I don't way. know that one. It was Robert Mitchum. And uh, Kirk Douglas, and uh-huh. y- you know that's not going in a place where it's never going to end up well. Oh, and um, oh, with it's a name a similar like that. similar thing where you, it's a love story, but it just you know it doesn't end well. Um, so it's a, and that's oh, I've always thought that as being the really strong example of film noir, but this Chinatown really is the modern day version of that. Yeah. But the music, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, everybody knows that 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 opening theme. You know? Yes. So. Yeah, I heard it recently, uh, courtesy of my colleague, and I didn't know what it was, uh, but as soon as he said that it was Chinatown, it's like, oh yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's play one more from from Chinatown.
Okay, that was the last of Ida from Chinatown. What are you couldn't find a better film character name than Ida Sessions? Ida it's Sessions. It's just a great name, you yeah. know. Ida Sessions, you know, right? And Giddis. Giddis. Mr. Giddis. JJ Giddis. Yeah, I, I had a classmate named Irma Chance, and I just think, what a great name for a detective! I got, I told her, you got to be a character in a book sometime. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that that's uh, the, that that whole scene uh, where he finds Ida, you know, goes to her apartment, and uh, it's a great, great, a lot of stuff happened in that scene. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, the the music changes many times through the piece. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean that that uh, section. Where he's just hitting the low notes on the piano, just staccato. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's such a powerful change. And it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like almost hits me like bullets. <coughs> right. Like, you know, one at a time, which oddly enough is a little foreshadowing from right. you know, the movie. Yeah. But it's also, you know, just, again, just that strong emotional impact. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I was going to play the Wind and the Lion, but I think we've run out of time. Okay, next time then, right? Next that, time. That, that'll come back for with the Wind and the Lion. Next yeah. time is lots of Miles Davis. Ooh. And two guests. All right. This is Soundtracking, where we play soundtracks with talk and music. Good night.